Today, uh, I want to uh, ask the entire community to keep uh, some bike riders in prayer. Uh, right now, we have a handful of people from our church uh, that are doing a fundraiser called Ride Against Traffic. Uh, the purpose of this fundraiser is, well, what they're doing is they're ri- they, they are riding bikes from Busan all the way up to Seoul. And it's going to be a three to five day journey. And the reason why they are taking this bike ride is to, one, raise awareness about the injustice of sex trafficking here in Korea. And number two, to raise funds for two charities, House of Hope, which is a restoration center for trafficked victims, and the Oak Tree Project, uh, which is a college scholarship for Korean orphans. And so we have a handful of guys that are doing that right now, Pastor G, Pastor John Michael, James Lee, Joe Chung, Kristen Hendricks, Chris Prasad. Huh? Oh, Joe Chung's right here. How, how are you doing the bike ride? Okay, I guess there's... I'm sorry, that was a mistake. Joe, Joe's here. Brock, Noble, Tanay. We have a handful of people that are doing the bike ride right now. And we, I want to ask everyone to cover them in prayer as they finish out because there's a lot of different dangers uh, that are involved in biking from Pusan to Seoul, as well as weather issues. Um, and so please keep them in prayer as they partake in this wonderful fundraiser. Uh, as announced previously, today is the last official Sunday service for those who are here at New Philly Hillside. Starting next week, Hillside will be split into two congregations. One will meet at 1 p.m. right here, and the other will meet at 4 p.m. The first congregation will be under the leadership of Pastor Aaron and myself. The second congregation will be under the leadership of Pastors John Michael and Skye. Eventually, the congregation that worships at 1 p.m. will transplant out to Hongdae, which is why we are calling that community New Philly Hongdae. And then the latter congregation will be called New Philly Shilim. And that congregation will continue to worship right here in this sanctuary. For the latest updated roster of church members and leaders and which campuses they were assigned to, please check our Facebook page. There is a link there to a web page from our website. And that will have an active and updated list of who's going where. I know a lot of people had questions. Uh, I know last Sunday we put up the list, but the only name you looked for was your own. And then throughout the week, you are curious of who else is in the campus along with you. Uh, well, go to the webpage and you'll be able to uh, identify those who are going to be at Shilim and those who are at Hongdae. If you are not a member of our church yet, uh, you are free to choose. You can check out both services next Sunday if you would like. Uh, or you can uh, hop back and forth. But eventually, we want to ask you to commit Uh, Because this is not about managing multi-services. It's about building up two different covenant communities who have the same DNA. And so we want you to commit to one church community. But you are free to choose in the meantime. But what you do, do it quickly. Uh, Our church plant in Australia, New Philly, Sydney, from next Sunday on, you will have a new service time. Right now your service time is at 3 p.m., Uh, But starting next Sunday, it will move to 4.30 p.m. And I just want to thank everyone at New Philly Sydney for your adaptability. And I know that it may cause some inconvenience for some people. 
but I appreciate the positive attitude that you are taking and the faith attitude you are taking to making this adjustment. So I just want to thank New Philly Sydney, uh, but next week will be 4.30 for you guys uh, for your Sunday service. And uh, listen for local announcements regarding Sunday swim and such. Last week, I preached on the first fruits offering. And I challenged our church at all our campuses to put their first fruits offering toward a new building fund that we just opened up called the 2020 fund. Everyone say 2020 fund. 2020 fund. And I just want to say how proud I am of each of our church campuses. Because multitudes of people committed their first month's paycheck toward the building fund for the next three to four years. And I was really blessed to see that. If you're a college student or you're unemployed and you don't have any income right now and you don't have the ability to give a big offering toward the 2020 fund, I want to say to you, ain't nobody mad at you. Okay? (laughs) Don't feel bad about it. Don't feel any guilt about it. If you really want to participate, you can write down a faith pledge for the paycheck that you are believing the Lord for in your next job. Okay? But don't feel bad that you cannot partake uh, in this offering at this time. All right? Uh, And last Sunday, during the prayer time, I actually said something uh, into the mic that the other campuses didn't get. But what I pretty much said at the end was, uh, God doesn't need your money to finish this building fund. Like in the sense that he's not dependent on you and your money to complete this building fund. Uh, but I shared that what I sense from God is that he is jealous for you to enter into his blessing and into a greater level of stewardship. That God is jealous for you to enter into that through partaking in this offering. Proverbs 11.24 says, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. You know, that's the funny thing about the way things work in the kingdom of God. You give and you freely give. You freely uh, sow generously and you reap generously. Uh, and actually, speaking of uh, faith pledges um, with the college students, you know, you may want to partake in the faith pledge. I think there was some confusion last week about what a faith pledge is and what you were supposed to write down on your offering form. Some of this was my fault because of my poor instructions. I will not mention who just blurted out yes in... Anyway, um, some of it was my fault. Some of it was because committing such a big offering was a big deal for many of you, and it may have proved difficult to uh, ponder this decision while simultaneously listening for my instruction. So, you know, as you guys are thinking, oh, I want to do this. Oh, wait, well, I don't know. Oh, I want to do this. I don't, I don't know. I'm giving you instructions, and you just totally did not listen to what I was trying to say. Uh, so what will happen is an email will go out to... Uh, everybody with a link to a web page that will explain clearly what the first fruits offering is, what a faith pledge is, and how you can participate. And so even if you were not at our service last week, uh, it is not too late to participate in this building fund campaign. 
And our admins will email you a short summary about what you wrote on your form last week. For some of you, we noticed that you um, resorted to using Sanskrit, okay? Because we could not discern what it was you wrote. (laughs) I don't know if that was on purpose. Our admins will interpret that Sanskrit the way we want. I'm going to write down whatever number we think you should give. Just kidding. But some of y'all, I don't know what you were writing on there. Uh, and just as a practical advice, if you want to participate in the first fruits offering for the new year, that means you need to set aside your first paycheck of the year, which is your January 2015 paycheck. In order to do that, you need to start preparing now. Meaning you have to set aside savings now so that you are not going hungry come you know, January 2015. And so be sure to accommodate uh, and save up in order for you to participate at the beginning of the new year. Now, the theme of 2014 for our church is the year of wisdom. And I started off the year with five sermons on wisdom with time. Then I went into four sermons on wisdom in relationships. I talked about wisdom in your relationship with church leaders, the imminent and economic trinity message talked about wisdom in your relationship with your parents, wisdom uh, with non-believers, that's called process-oriented evangelism, and wisdom in how the church ought to relate to those in the gay, lesbian, and transgender communities. And then I went into a five-part sermon series on wisdom with romance. Should I marry or stay single? Does God predestine my spouse? Proper covering for the dating process. Should I date a non-believer? And healthy expectations for romance. Or also known as, rate yourself. (laughs) Those were the five sermons that I preached in regards to wisdom with romance. Today I want to talk about wisdom in dealing with people. And not just any kind of people. But people who irk you. Annoy you, mistreat you, abuse you, or even oppose you. I want to talk about how to deal with such people today in my message. You know, I was reading a book by John Maxwell. He's a Christian author that writes, writes a lot about leadership for the Christian community as well as just for the secular world. And in his book, he wrote that in life, there are only three roads... We can travel when it comes to dealing with other people. First is the low road. This is where we treat others worse than they treat us. Second is the middle road. This is where we treat others the same as they treat us. And then third is the high road. This is where we treat others better than they treat us. The low road, the middle road, the high road. People often take the low road when they allow themselves to be consumed by revenge. Somebody mistreats them, talks smack about them, offends them. And they look for ways to harbor, they harbor revenge. Unfortunately, the low road destroys relationships 
And it also estranges those people who watch your behavior or even look up to you. There are then people who take the middle road in life when dealing with other people. People who take the middle road may not estrange people, but they don't inspire them either. It is a reactive way toward dealing with people, and it allows the way people treat you to set the agenda for your life. Because you're simply doing what they do to you. And then there's the high road. Everybody say high road. road. The high road is the path that is least traveled. Examples of high road trekkers, they are not common. And such behavior does not come naturally for people. In order for us to treat others better than they treat us, it requires us to be slow to anger, patient, gracious, and positive, even in the face of neglect, offense, gossip, abuse. But scripture describes the high road as a mark of wisdom. Proverbs 29, 11, it says, a fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. You know, you ever at a party and somebody just starts talking, 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 and they say something a little bit sexist, a little bit racist, a little bit offensive, and you're tempted to react Right away. The Bible says a fool gives full vent to his spirit. But a wise man quietly holds it back. You know? What did you say? Uh, mm. Okay, that is the mark of wisdom. <laughs> the ability to just go, mm, uh, mm, And just pray right there to forgive them in your heart. Proverbs twelve sixteen says, Fools, they show their annoyance at once. I'm getting convicted right now. (laughs) But the prudent, the wise, they know how to overlook an insult. Proverbs 19.11, a person's wisdom yields patience. And it is to his glory to overlook an offense. Did you know that it is to your glory to overlook an offense? You might think, oh, no, 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 no. I, I, that person's got to get a piece of my mind. I got to tell them what I think. But the Bible tells us, no, that's the way of the fool. The way of wisdom is a, a wise man. A person's wisdom yields patience. And it is to your glory to overlook an offense. When you overlook somebody's mistake, somebody's careless remark, so you, hear, you hear that somebody was gossiping, gossiping about you. You know, they're gossiping about you in the other room and you happen to be in the other room and you just kind of overhear what they're saying. If you, if you overlook that, that is to your glory to do so. You know, Jesus, he was familiar with the high road and he talked about it in Luke chapter 6. And this is the main passage we're going to look at today. Let's turn to Luke chapter 6, verse 27 to 31. Luke chapter 6, Luke is the third 
book in the New Testament. And we're going to read through a chunk of this passage here, but we're going to start with verse 27 to 31 of Luke 6. I'm going to read it in the ESV. Verse 27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you, to one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Everybody say amen. Amen. Just let that word go in. I know you're resisting it. (laughs) But let the words of Jesus sink in a little bit. Here, Jesus begins by commanding us to never allow ourselves to take the low road. The low road should never be the behavior of a Christ follower. The low road is the path of revenge. The low road is to retaliate. And if they offended you or hurt you, it is to hurt them back worse than they hurt you. So they they learn a lesson never to mess with you again. That is the low road mentality. And Jesus begins right away. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If one strikes you on the cheek, give to him the other. He eliminates any thought of dwelling on the low road. In fact, other places in the scripture, it says, leave, do not take revenge. Leave, leave vengeance unto the Lord. Vengeance is mine, the Lord says throughout the scriptures. Whenever somebody does us wrong, we are to leave vengeance to God. Because God is the one who redeems, and God is the one who will judge, and God is the one who will punish. And for some people, he may be patient with them before he finally judges and punishes them. But, He wants us to partake in that process, not by bringing the quick judgment of God, because the Bible says he's slow to anger, and not taking vengeance into our own hands like we're we're Chuck Norris or somebody like that. But to leave vengeance to the Lord. The low road is to be eliminated from our thoughts. In verse 31, Jesus did not say, do unto others as they do unto you. No, that's the middle road. Jesus commanded, do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. As you would wish them to do unto you. That's the high road. Treat other people better than the way they treat you. They may not, you know, you go into a room and they, might, they may not honor you even though you're the manager of Starbucks. Even though you are the campus pastor at your church. You know, they may not honor you for... You may be a community group leader. They may not honor you properly, but that is not the time for you to to retaliate and get all upset and bend out of shape and be like, don't you know who I am? All right, I'm the community group leader. You better listen to what I have to say. What I have to say is important. That's like like overflowing with insecurity. Okay. Uh, Taking the high road means, all right, being gracious. Oh, I guess this person doesn't know me yet. 
it's all right. We can take care of that real soon. We've got to take the high road. Do on to others as you will want them to do to you. Now, some of you might be thinking in your mind, what's the harm of just living life taking the middle road? Come on. That's not the low road. I'm a little better than the low road. Just let me live the middle road, all right? When somebody offends me, insults me, opposes me, it's hard for me to treat them right. It's hard for me to be kind to them. Well, let's see what Jesus has to say about this. What's the harm with just taking the middle road? Look at verse 32. 32 to 34. Jesus says, If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners, godless, atheists, they do the same. And if you lend to... And verse 34, if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. So what Jesus is saying here is he's rebuking those who want to settle for the middle road. He says that those who do not know God, they love those who love them. They do good to those who do good to them. They lend to those from whom they expect back. Jesus asks, what benefit is that to you? If you take the middle road when dealing with others, how are you different from the rest of the world? What marks of faith separate you from the rest of the world? What acts of faith should God look upon and be pleased with and reward? You're giving God nothing to work with. If all you want to do is live in the middle road. Instead of the middle road, Jesus describes again the high road. Look at verse 35, 36. Verse 35, but love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the most high for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. So be merciful, even as your father is merciful. So in other words, When your boss offends you, mistreats you, overlook it and be kind. Don't react in front of him or her or be passive aggressive in the long run towards your boss. When your coworker carelessly does not do her part in your team project, do good to her without expecting anything in return. Cover for her. Perhaps she's going through something tough in her family or perhaps she's just being a Bad team member. (laughs) It doesn't make a difference. It doesn't make a difference to you. See, you're just just set on taking the high road. What people, the way people treat you does not govern your behavior. Your faith in God and his commands and his words is what governs your behavior. If a bad driver cuts you off (laughs) and does not even bother to give you a hand signal or a blinker, Or the hazard lights. You know, in Korea, whenever you you cut somebody off, it's customary just to do the hazard lights. I think Americans should pick this up. I don't think I've seen this uh, as much in America. But in Korea, you know, you get all angry and you see those hazard lights and blink, blink. You're like, oh, good, that's good. All right. All right, you're apologetic. Okay, I understand. I forgive you. You know? But what's worse is when they cut you off and they don't give you the hazard lights. They just like, ha, ha, ha. 
Well, when these things happen, don't give yourself over to road rage. The road rage is the low road. <laughs> Take the high road and just bless. If somebody on Facebook writes an offensive comment about you, or indirectly or directly, take the high road. Like his comment. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. I'm playing. Don't, don't do that. That will aggravate things. You know, you, you go to a, a clothing retailer and you want to return your clothes and you followed all the instructions. And a manager is giving you a hard time. Bad customer service. Making you wait like 45 minutes. For no reason at all. Don't react and retaliate and make a whole big scene. Take the high road. Because if you do, Jesus promises that your reward will be great. Tell your neighbor, your reward will be great. Look at Luke 6, 37 and 38. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. With the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. There's a spiritual uh, law at work, invisible spiritual law. There's a principle here that is at work in the life of every Christian. And it goes like this. With the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. If you're quick to judge and dismiss people, if you are quick to condemn people for their mistakes... If you take a long time to forgive, you will find that in your relationship with God and in the circumstances and people around you, you will experience a similar kind of harshness from them. In the past, you might have thought none of that's related. Because I'm forgiven through the blood. I'm a Christian. I'm going to heaven. I'm redeemed. And you might think, oh, why are they, why are they treating me like that? Don't they know I'm a child of the most high God? And what you are failing to see is that this principle is at work in your life. You just chewed out your sister. And you just, you know, spoke condescendingly to your coworker, And you totally judged and criticized and ignored and gossiped one of your classmates. You know, they were like best friends with you. You know, you were all dancing up in the club and then they didn't deliver on the group project. And, and, you know, they're, they're just like, you know, they're, you, you just exile them in your mind. They're in Siberia. They're locked up. Maximum security. Never to come back again. Don't ever. I don't ever want to see you again. Some people do that. They dismiss people in their minds. And then they, they, they live life and they're like, why are people being so mean to me? You're so mean. Why are there? I, why am I not getting any breaks? Where is God's favor? And. What you have to connect is that the way you treat others, the measure you use, is going to be measured back to you. 
If you, but, but on the other hand, if you're gracious and you're patient and you're kind, Jesus promises that God will cause his blessing and goodness to overflow in your life. Some people may say at this point, oh, this is just like the Buddhist notion of karma. Karma sucks, doesn't it? You know, and you ever hear, you ever live in New York City, something bad happens to you. And it's somebody that doesn't like you. You know what they usually say to you? They say, karma sucks. Karma is a bleep, isn't it? You know? <laughs> they say very, like, rude things like that. Because they love the fact that you're getting yours. You're getting what you deserve. Some people live by this notion of karma. Well, I think there are some key differences between karma and what I'm talking about here in Luke chapter 6. You see, in Buddhism, karma teaches that nothing happens in this world to a person that does not for some other reason that person doesn't deserve so everything that happens in your life you deserve it that's the buddhist notion of karma in other words karma teaches that the inequality that we see in life is the result of our past and present mistakes behavior and actions it's the sum of these actions Thus, it puts the responsibility for our own happiness or misery in our own hands. Karma teaches that you create your own heaven. And you create your own hell. You are architects of your own fate. Because everything you get, you deserve it. You only got it because you treated somebody right. Or you stepped over somebody and now it's coming back to bite you. Now, the spiritual law that I describe here in Luke chapter 6, verse 37, is fundamentally different from karma. Because it does not attempt to explain the mystery of the inequalities we see in the universe. Karma does that by saying that this is the reason why your family's broke. This is the reason why you're not getting married. <laughs> this is the reason why you can't get a job. The whole scripture gives us the reasons why inequalities and injustices exist. And the main reason that scripture gives is that it is the result of sin entering the world and man being enslaved to sin. And then a second related reason that scripture gives is something called the devil who makes man's fallen condition far worse. So why is your family going through financial difficulty? Well, it's not necessarily because of you parting it up during college years and you making all these different mistakes. It's perhaps because of immoral men who took advantage of your family. It could be because of your father's gambling addiction. It's because of the results of sin that you are in the situations you are in. And what God does is in, in the gospel, God sends his son into the world to redeem mankind from all the destructive effects of sin. And then to one day, all the effects of sin will be done away with completely. And so, quite put, uh, put simply, we are not architects of our fate. The Bible teaches that God is. And we simply need to trust and follow him in order to fulfill our destiny. And grace, the Christian notion of grace, shatters the concept of karma. 
Because karma says you get what you deserve, but grace says you don't get what you deserve. God does not treat you as your sins deserve. Karma says you get what you deserve, so start being a better person. But grace says you don't get what you deserve, so start being a better person. It's a completely different approach. So the spiritual law that Jesus describes here in Luke 6 is a spiritual law that operates under the context of God's grace. Since you have received such amazing grace from God, we ought to be gracious to others, even to our enemies. Because at one point, we were enemies of God. And in doing so, God will be pleased and you will be richly rewarded. But if we treat others according to the law, we will find God treating us according to the law. You treat others harshly and you will find God treating you harshly. It's not that he doesn't love you. It's just that he simply wants you to live under grace and stay there. Not be saved by grace and live by the law. Be saved by grace and live under grace and be gracious. So taking the high road. If you take the high road, Jesus promises your reward will be great. Turn to your neighbor again. Tell him your reward will be great. And not only will your reward be great, but if you take the high road, you will truly be walking as sons of the Most High. See, being in sonship to God the Father means reflecting the kindness of God the Father. If God, is, God the Father is kind, but His sons are not, how are we any kind of reflecting image of His kindness and, his, and, and the God the Father who we say is our Father? For our father is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. So the Bible teaches us, be merciful as God our father is merciful. Matthew 5, 9 says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. If Christians continue to just take the middle road and treat people the way people treat them and retaliate and react, they are not walking as sons of God, as peacemakers. Now, since scripture says that the way God treats you will be affected by how you treat others, I want to encourage you today. Don't just take the high road once in a while. Get in the habit of taking the high road. You know why? Because people are going to continue to mistreat you probably for the rest of your life. You're going to find people that irk you, offend you. So you want to make it a habit. Hector Lamarck said, most people make some good choices every day. But they don't make enough good choices to create momentum and obtain success. You know, some people, they make some good choices. They treat people, they take the high road now and then. But what this person is saying is they're not making enough choices to actually bless them and and cause some momentum in their life to go to do something with their life. Every time there's a momentum, you know, they take the low road or the middle road and they shoot themselves in the foot. People who get in the habit of taking the high road, they create momentum in their lives toward God's will prospering in their hand all the days of their life. Newscaster David Brinkley, John Maxwell quoted him as saying, a successful man 
is one who can lay a firm foundation with the bricks that others have thrown at him. You know, how many bricks have been thrown at you? Actually, let me ask you a different question. How many bricks have you thrown back? (laughs) Only those who choose to take the high road can actually take the cursing of others into it and turn it into a blessing for their lives. Takes the criticism of others and humble themselves and actually uses that uses it as a momentum for their own success. If you just treat people the way you feel like and then you pray for God's blessings and get nothing from him, you have no right to get upset at God. Because if you want to live under his grace, then you got to extend that same grace to others. And the high road is the path of grace. You know, people have uh, experienced what it's like to get the favor of God on their life. You know, here at our church here in New Philly, different people will come up to me when they're searching for a job. And they hear about my testimonies of God's favor on me. And they say, Pastor, could you pray for me for some favor so I can find a job? I say, I'll say, all right, I'll pray for them. And I say, the, the Lord bestow his favor upon you. May he show you so much favor. You get so many job offers, you don't know what you would do with it. I prayed like that for some people. And for a handful of people, they experience that prayer being fulfilled. That very week or the following week. And there have been several people in our congregation who've gotten all these job offers. They're like, I don't know what, you want, what, I don't know what to do with this. I have a problem on my hands. Well, this is a little di- different problem than the one you had before, isn't it? That's the favor of God. They, don't, they know how to experience the favor of God. But very few people know how to steward God's grace and favor. And stay in that place of favor and blessing. A lot of people know how to reach for it, experience it. But they don't know how to stay there and steward that favor for God's bigger purposes. You know, one key to stewarding God's favor on your life is to take the high road. It's the high road principle. You see, think about the nature of favor. If God puts his favor on you, for everybody else, think about it. It's a little unfair, isn't it? Favor tends to stir up jealousy, haters, criticism. Right? And so you're asking for something that by nature is going to make other people a little upset. And when you get that favor on your life, you're all happy and you're telling everybody, I'm getting married. I got a job. And they're not slapping. They're not, they're not slapping. They're... <laughs> They're not celebrating and clapping for you, but they look like they want to slap you, right? And you're like, well, I thought you were my friends. I thought you were my boy. What's up? What you have to understand in that day is you have to choose to take the high road that day. Because not everybody's going to celebrate your victories. Because the way you got to that victory was completely unfair, by the way. Because it was, it was by God's grace and favor. You weren't qualified. To take on that job. You weren't qualified to take over the church. You weren't credentialed to preach and to lead communion and to baptize people. But you got it. And there are other people who thought they were next in line. 
and you surpass, you just bypass them real quick. You know, you ever, you ever stand at, at, at a bank? You're standing in line at a bank or at the postal service or at a grocery store. Anywhere there's a line. <laughs> you're, just, you're standing there and you just mind your own business, patiently waiting your turn. And then some Korean ajuma just busts in line right in front of you. And they don't, they don't even make eye contact with you. In fact, they kind of push you. They, they kind of make body contact. They're like, get out my way. You notice the emotion you feel <laughs> when somebody cuts in line like that? Well, that's the emotion that people feel when they see the favor of God on your life and you just getting promoted and they're at the same place. Of course, they're not going to be like, oh, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Let's thank God in prayer right now. <laughs> and so in those days when people aren't celebrating you, it's not that they're, you know, that they're particularly hating on you. You know, it's just tough to process what you're, what, what you're going through. And so in those days, it's important as Christians, if we want to stay in that place of favor, that we take the high road and we don't take offense and we don't create enemies. We simply are gracious and kind and be good to those people. You see, sometimes the devil will attack you through somebody to offend or oppose you And it's not only to discourage you, it is actually to disqualify you. Because the devil knows how all of this works. He knows that if if the favor of God is on you, the tactic is not to oppose that favor. The tactic is to create offense. To surround you with enemies. Surround you with people that on the exterior are clapping, but inside they're plotting against you. The devil knows that when you're surrounded by such people and you take the low road or the middle road and you react, you retaliate, you actually disqualify yourself from continuing to walk in that favor. Or you may postpone or delay the purposes of that favor for your life. So he's not just coming to discourage you. He just wants to destroy the whole thing. But as Christians, we have got To discipline ourselves and get into a habit of taking the high road when the haters come. Don't let the devil play you like that. Think about it. The only way that you can go higher is to take the high road. You know, another amazing thing about taking the high road is, especially when you have like a disciple or a community group member or somebody that you're trying to sow into and love on and serve and lead is when you take the high road, you know, like people like that, people like Marcus, you know, Marcus is like, you know, he, he's a disciple of mine. You know, Pastor Marcus, he's a campus pastor at our E21 church plant. He's a young African-American man. And uh, he's what, 29 yet? Well, how old is he now? 29. He's 29. But, you know, he's, he's leading a, a powerful, dynamic, spirit-filled community over at New Philly E21. Marcus, you're doing a great job. But let me tell you, my early years, my early years when I used to disciple Marcus, I remember one time I, 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 I took him to a Campus Crusade conference. It was a huge one, 18,000 people down in Busan. And, I, and, and through my connections, 
I got him onto the uh, the serving team, and he was serving at the conference. And he was, you know, he was having a good time meeting all these new people, expanding his vision for the kingdom, all this stuff. And one time we were sitting in worship. And he just smacked the back of my head. Now, in urban culture, this is normal. And so I did what's normal in urban culture. I smacked him back. <laughs> and there's somebody sitting in between us. And so he smacks me harder. So I punched him in the arm. Actually, I think, I think you didn't smack me on the back of my head. You actually knocked my hat off. That's like a whole different level of offense. You see, in the streets of Philly, you don't knock somebody's hat off. You have a cap on, you don't knock that, that person's cap off. That's mad disrespectful. That's like, I want to fight you right now. The same thing. Something, you must have done something, something like that. Anyway, well, I was retaliating and we're going back and forth. And, and this person in the middle, you know, I'll keep her unnamed. But she goes, can you stop it? You're acting like little children. And there's a sermon going on, by the way, this whole time. <laughs> and I remember thinking, Marcus, do you not appreciate all that I've done for you? I've been sowing into your life. I've been loving on you. I've been praying for you. I've been discipling you, meeting up with you every single week to disciple you at Yonsei University. And this is the way you treat me? With this disrespect and you smacking me around like I'm a little boy? And I was, I was tempted, Marcus. I'll confess. I was tempted to hold that against you. But I remember Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. And at that time, it was popular to ask, what would Jesus do? And I was like, what would Jesus do? And I said, you know what? I'm not going to hold, hold this against you, Marcus. You know, I just forgive you. I'm going to pretend it never even happened because that's the way Jesus treats me and my sin. I'm going to pretend this never happened. And because I, I stayed free from offense and I took the high road in regards to that incident, I was able to continue to love on Marcus and continue to speak into his life. And it actually brought out the best in him. That's what high, high roaders do. People who take the high road, they know how to bring out the best in other people. And it also brings out the best in them. Because by nature, when you take the high road, you're, doing, you're, behave, you're, acting, you're taking an action of grace. So you're pulling down something from heaven that is not circulating here on this earth. And when you pull that grace down, you release that grace. You take that high road. It changes people. That's the power of God's grace. Philosopher and poet Johann Wolfgang von Goethe said. <laughs> how do you say that? Goethe? Shut up. Half of y'all don't even know how to say it. <clears throat> you too. All y'all in the other campuses, y'all don't know how to say that either. Goethe? G-O-E-T-H-E. Anyway, so he has a good quote. Listen to the quote. Don't get distracted. He said, treat people as though they were what they ought to be, and you will help them to become what they're capable of becoming. You know, you treat a kid in the prison system like a little criminal. He's going to just remain a criminal. But you learn how to treat him like a gentleman with honor and respect, and you teach him about dignity, that young man may finally come out of that prison system 
and live a dignified life. You know, in the passage we looked at today here, Luke 6, Christ is not asking the impossible from us. If you watch his tone here, he thinks that this is a reasonable command. Why is Christ teaching about taking the high road a reasonable command? And I'll end with this. It's because this is the gospel. Taking the high road is the gospel. For someone who is not a Christian, taking the high road is very unreasonable. And it's nearly impossible to make it a habit. Even if they have uh, motives for success or bringing out the best in others, and that's why they take the high road, it's not going to last very long. They're going to run out. More and more people mistreat them. It's inadequate at best. But for the believer, we lack nothing in our ability to take the high road again and again and again. In fact, this is our reasonable response. Because if you ponder for a moment the gospel of Jesus Christ, think about this. At his trial, Jesus was slapped. And he did not retaliate. They took his clothes. And he did not react. They spat on him, cursed him out, forced him to carry the cross, and then nailed him to it. And he said on that cross, Father, forgive them, for they know now what they do. The grace that we now receive to live a new life has been made possible only because when Jesus was mistreated, he took the high road. The very gospel message says that our Savior took the high road for you and for me. This is the gospel, the good news that saves us from our sin. And how hypocritical is it to receive such grace but not extend it to others? The gospel is not just our ticket to heaven or a doctrine that we agree with intellectually. The gospel has the power to change both our future and The character we have today. The gospel not only saves you from sin, death, and God's wrath, but it also saves you from being a slave to a pattern of revenge and anger. Taking the high road is not easy, but as we allow the implications of the gospel to renew our minds, and as we depend on the Holy Spirit to empower us, we lack nothing. We are well able to continue to take the high road and to make it a habit so that our maturity and growth reflects the maturity and growth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And don't ever be mistaken, taking the high road means that you are a victim. Doesn't mean that people are just walking all over you. No, it takes more maturity and strength and courage to take the high road. High road is not for people who are victims. Jesus took the high road. And as Christians, we do not see him as a victim. Victims are trapped. They have no other choice. Jesus, let me tell you, when he was going to the cross, he had options. Oh, he had options, but he joyfully chose to finish the work of the cross. He laid down, he chose to lay down his life. The road, the path of the cross was the high road for him. No one took away his life as a victim. But in John 10, 18, Jesus says, no one takes my life from me. 
but I lay it down of my own choice and accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. So now let us live as those who are redeemed by such an amazing Savior. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, I just thank you that you're doing a beautiful work in the life of every person in this room. And Lord, we know that as we experience your blessing and favor on our lives, not everybody's going to celebrate with us. There are going to be those who come along and make life very hard for us. Even good, well-meaning Christians who become our enemies. But I'm praying today for every person who's listening. That God, that your gospel message will continue to renew our minds. And that your Holy Spirit will fill each and every one of us. So that even where we feel inadequate, we feel the flesh flaring up. We will joyfully choose to take the high road. To walk in the footsteps of Jesus. Knowing that this is not just a message that saves us. This is the message that transforms us. And we thank you for your promise in Proverbs that says, When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies to live at peace with him. And I'm just praying, Lord, for that kind of grace to flow out from our church members. A grace that turns the enemy into a friend. That causes even our enemies to live at peace with us. As we walk in a manner that is pleasing to you. May you make even our enemies to live at peace with us.